0: September is the month that the Board of Elders has decided we're going to focus on outreach and evangelism, not just because we want an active church, not just because we want to be doing something before a minister gets here as we are waiting for the appointment of a shepherd, but because Jesus is coming. And he has, in his word, in the Gospel Commission found in Revelation 28, has commissioned us to go and to tell, to go and to teach, to go and to baptize, to let people know that he's coming. So more than just coming to church, we need to be about God's business in doing things. And so the elders thought that it, was, it would be really important for us to focus on this topic, this initiative, so that we can get God's word out and we can go home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the confirmation you gave me this morning that these are your words. You have heard from us in prayer, you have heard from us in song. Through our praise and through our testimonies, we have given you glory and honor. Now speak, Lord, through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Locked and loaded. This is a common military term signifying soldiers are ready for battle. It's a term that means that because I, I thought it was kind of c- confused, locked and loaded, wouldn't it be load and locked? wouldn't you know, you know me. I, I have to research some things so I can understand where this is coming from. And what it means is ac- actually the safety trigger is locked so that there isn't a problem as you're loading the ammunition in the chamber. So that's what that means, locked and loaded. The non-military definition might be ready to go, prepared for an imminent event, ready for action. Even the Apostle Paul likened the Christian life as a soldier prepared for battle comparing battle gear and weaponry to those items necessary for victory. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. I'm excited about next week's Sabbath school lesson because it's going to focus on that, the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I tell you, I wish I could be back then to hear Paul preach. I bet he was something else. The sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, Feet shod with the gospel of peace. I can hear Paul saying today, are you locked and loaded? Is your shield of faith as the safety there to quench the fiery darts of the wicked? And loaded with the most effective ammunition one can have, the word of God. We too are in a battle fighting the good fight of faith, as Paul speaks of in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. But God has not left us alone to figure it out. The Bible is replete with examples of what to do, what not to do, how to do it, and oh, all by the way, by God's grace and in total submission to the Holy Spirit. That's why I love that scripture reading that we had this morning because Joshua at the time now think about this he was the assistant as it said in Kathy's version to Moses a great leader and as Moses dies and goes off the scene he is to assume responsibility for leading the children of Israel into Canaan how daunting must that have been. And in the scripture reading, you'll notice it was actually three times that God had to say him, be strong and of a good courage. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Go forward. I am with you wheresoever you go. So I love Joshua 1 verse 9 because it's a reminder to me that no matter what happens, God is with me. God is with us. In Hebrews 11, it mentions a great cloud of witnesses. And it talks about a number of the uh, our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament who have gone through remarkable things but have remained faithful to God. I'd like to highlight just four of these great men and women who are our examples and remind us that as we move forward with our plans for outreach and evangelism, that success is ours. Victory is promised for the battle because the war has already been won. So it reminds us that if we have everything, that that we do have everything we need to fulfill the gospel commission. So let's go to the first one. The first is Queen Esther. Now, Esther, as you may recall, and if not, read the story in the Bible. It is fascinating. Of course, everything is fascinating in the Bible. I tell you, it's like a motion picture. You get deep into these stories and and how God is moving and shaking. It is a phenomenal experience. So for no other reason for than some excitement, you need to study your Bible. So Queen Esther... Esther was uh, a young girl who, living with the Israelites or the Jews uh, in the land of Persia, under the Persian rule, as you know, was, became queen. So I'll just do you the, the highlighted version. She became queen and discovered that there was a plot to actually kill her people. And she was pretty distressed about this and would often uh, talk with her cousin, Mordecai. And Mordecai was stressing to her, because he was much older than she was. He actually raised her when her parents died. And he told her, you need to do something. You are in a position where you can make a difference for your people, Esther, or Hadassah. That was her given name. And Esther said, but what can I do? I can't go to the king, I can't say anything, because if I go before him and he has not summoned me, I can be put to death. And Mordecai looked at her and said, you don't know if you were put in this place for a specific, for this specific purpose. And so Esther mustered up her strength and her courage, and she said... Tell all of the people to fast and pray with me for three days, and I will go to the king, and if I perish, I perish. In Esther 4.16 is what it says. How phenomenal for a young maiden in a foreign palace under the rule of a king that was not of her faith to decide she was going to go before him and plead for her people's life. Now, interesting, her strategy was phenomenal because she went there and she actually said, I've prepared a dinner for you, but you have to read the whole story. So um, she goes, and I guess what struck me are her words of conviction that we, I will do what I believe God is sending me to do, and if I perish, I perish. The lesson here learned from Esther's experience is that you are where you are for a reason. Let's go to the next one. The next one is, um, I want to do Job. Job was a man, as it says here, who was thought to be blameless and upright, He was so, such a good and faithful servant of God, that God actually talked to the devil and said, and again, I'm taking some liberties here, so you have to read the whole story, but said, have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright man. And the devil said, oh yeah, yeah, but you see how you've blessed him? You take away all those blessings, then we'll see how upright and faithful he'll be. So the Lord gave the devil's permission to do whatever he wanted to do with Job, except take his life. So just keep his heart meeting and his lungs going, and you can do whatever else you want. And the devil made good on that opportunity. He killed it, wiped out all of his children. He killed, took all of their, their property He destroyed all of uh, Job's cattle. Everything that Job had, anything that meant anything to him, he took. It was tragedy at every turn. Just as we're experiencing that. You see tragedy at every turn? Earthquakes and fires and all kinds of things. And we're sitting here in Michigan think that we're exempt? Just keep living. Just keep living. And so... Job, even with all that has gone on, Job finally came to the point, or not finally, he had always believed this, and even going through all of these turbulent um, challenges, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So even if God had said you can take his life, Job said, it's all right with me. If you take my life, I know you can give it back. So it's yours, it's yours. And so is everything else that you blessed me with. One of the things that Job realized was that it was God who gave him all these blessings. It was God who blessed the womb of his wife so that he had children. It was God who gave him property and cattle and all of these things. And you know, the, the other saying is, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So through Job, one of the lessons or takeaways that we should have is that we need to be faithful no matter what. The next one, our three Hebrew boys. I love this one because this is actually my favorite uh, Bible story uh, because it involves young people that will stand up for Jesus. So young people, listen to what is about to happen here. And so we know that the three Hebrew boys, as we um, affectionately call them, and this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are their Babylonian names, that they were amidst all of the people on the land of Shinar. And King Nebuchadnezzar had built a huge gold statue because he got a little full of himself when Daniel told him he was the head of gold. He said, I'll just make the whole thing gold. And he said, when everything happens, the music plays, I want everybody down to bow down to this statue. And the three Hebrews said, said uh-uh, not us. Now, think about this. Because were the three Hebrew boys the only Hebrews on the, in the land of Shinar? So does that mean that there may have other, been other um, Christians that, and we've heard the stories, Um, Many preachers have have taken this to the next level. People, Christians, bowing down to tie their shoes conveniently when when the music played. Different things that just, you know, making excuses or just, you know, compromises. Think about this. Little compromises along the way make it very difficult for us to be true to God in the end. So you don't want to compromise at all. What my takeaway from them when they said they, they stood before the king and said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, we will not serve thy gods. We will not bow down to the image. So regardless of what you threaten us with, king, there is nothing you can do to us to make us bow down to you. We know our God is able. Isn't God able? But even if he doesn't, even if he chooses to allow you, allow you to take our lives, we still won't bow down because we trust in God who is sovereign. My takeaway from the three Hebrew boys in this statement is that they had courage. These young men had courage. Do we not need courageous young men and women today to stand up for God as Ellen White's says that has, that is faithful to duty as needle to the pole, we need to have that, that courage. I'm reminded of a song that Elder Roberta Perry wrote. And um, some people might think it's a little radical. Woo, do you really want to say that? She actually mentioned it in Sabbath school today. I couldn't believe it. That was confirmation number one. The name of that little chorus is I'd Rather Die Than Sin Against God. I'd rather die because I don't want to see his tears because of me. I'd rather die than sin against God. And that is what these three Hebrew boys were saying. Rather than sin, I would rather die. Do we have that level of commitment and surrender? Do we have that conviction that we can say, I would rather die than sin? And we're not talking necessarily big sins. We're talking anything that parts from the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. Our next and last is Isaiah the prophet. This is probably one of my favorites, too. Isaiah the prophet was commissioned to let the people of Israel know that they were um, uh, in in fear of of, um, being judged for judgments. He was to let them know and foretell the coming of the Messiah and to bring hope to them during a very challenging time in this period of their history. But Isaiah was reticent. He didn't feel worthy. He didn't think that he could accomplish or was worthy to do such a task. And it wasn't until Guk. Excuse me, God permitted an angel to touch his lips. You know how when someone says, no, no, I can't, and you go, mm? Basically, that's what the angel did, only it wasn't with a finger. It was a coal from the altar that eradicated the sin so that he understood that he was, he, he it took away his, his guilt and his hesitation so that he could say this statement, here am I, Lord. Send me. Now, this is where we come in. Because it is important for us to have these four attributes, these four reminders in our mind. From Esther, that we are, we are where we are for a reason. That from uh, the three Hebrew boys, to be Courageous. From Job, to be faithful no matter what. And from Isaiah, to say, I am available to you, Lord. <coughs> Sidebar. So this is just a commercial. When I was reading these, I was thinking, this is really interesting because some of their declarations, they showed, showed me some things that I had read before had, that the Lord brought to my mind. And that is... Our thoughts lead to our words. Our words to our actions. Our actions produce habits. And it's our habits that define our character. And it's our character that's the only thing that will be taken to heaven. So our desire and our ability or being able to go to heaven is all begins right here, and the word says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So how important it is for us to guard the avenues to our soul, for us to think about what we think about, because that gives direction to what our actions will be, and then our, ha- our words, and our actions, and our habits, and then eventually our character. So those are the building blocks and important for us to remember. That was just a commercial. So when we think about these four examples, we are set and poised to go out into the community to do outreach. And to do evangelism. Now you're saying, okay, isn't one or the other? Do we have to do both? Well, yeah, because outreach is reaching out to people to meet their needs. To um, following Jesus' example, he saw people and met them, and and um, met them and and as as one who desired their good, so he befriended them. He met their needs, and then he bade them follow him. So it's through our example in our outreach that people become curious. And they want to know, what is it that inspires and motivates you to do these things that I haven't asked for, but I have needs, and you have filled them. And it's the love of Jesus that does that. And in that, then they say, who is this God that you serve? And evangelism kicks in. And then we have the opportunity to let them know that Jesus loves them that he is going to save them, that he's gonna take care of all this mess that we're dealing with this on this earth, that they can go safely from place to place and not worried, be worried about getting shot at a whim. I tell you, another sidebar, can you imagine going out in the world today, and we do all the time, but to be able to come home and get home safely. I think we had a testimony last week about being amazed that you can actually go anywhere and return home without anything happening to you. We've heard from Matus' testimony today, her friend, everything going good. She retired, everything's going well, and all of a sudden things have changed. When might it change for me? When might it change for you? Have we made our calling and election sure, so at whatever point we come to that road block, that obstacle, we are safe in the arms of Jesus? Important for us to remember. So we want to plan to go out and do outreach and to do some evangelism. Now, we do need to plan. Uh, and and it, there's a phrase that says, he who pl- fails to plan plans to fail. However, sometimes we can sometimes I think we we use that as an excuse and we spend a whole lot of time planning and a whole lot less time doing. So we want to make that change. And so for the month of September, that's why we're focusing on this. We're going to be sharing some testimonies of others who have been able to do some things, who have taken God at his word, and they're going out and doing outreach. They're making a difference in their community. They're having evangelism. Things are happening. That's what we want to share. We want to generate some enthusiasm. We want to do some, we want to motivate all of us to service. Yes, we have some things that are going on. We are feeding the the homeless and those who need it at Hope Clinic. Praise God for the faithful who are involved in that ministry. We provide toiletries to those who are need and gives us opportunity to meet their needs and to give a word for the Lord. There there are a number of things that we're doing. We have our pathfinders that are going out and doing things. And let me tell you, when they're out doing your yard, do you think no one notices? They're noticing all of these young African-American young people doing good that is making a statement. And I've had at my home, when they've come to do my yard, we've, I've had people driving by stop and say, can you come and do my house? So you just never know how God is going to use whatever it is that we decide to do for him. So we want to make some plans so we can those opportunities can exist. Now, so we don't want to spend so much time planning that um, we have We spend too much time in what we call pew ministry. So we have too many, too few actually ministering. So there's no such group as pew ministry. So you can get that out of your mind. Okay, we all want to be active. So that's what we want to do. Now, I want to leave you with some statements from Ellen White that underscores the importance of what we're trying to do here, and that, um, that re-emphas- or emphasizes some of what we've already read in Scripture. And this is phenomenal because it speaks specifically to us as a people. And this is found in evangelism. Uh, actually, the original quote is from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 9, pages 19 and 20. Listen to what she says. In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import. The proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. We just studied that last quarter, right? There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. That really got to me. Because I've got everything else absorbing my attention except what God wants me to focus on. The most solemn truths ever entrusted to mortals have been given us to proclaim to the world. So we are in Isaiah. He says, let the people know that I'm coming. Proclaim the day of the Lord, that I'm coming as a sec- a- again, and that there is hope. That is what Isaiah was, was tasked to do. That is what we are tasked to do. The proclamation of these truths is to be our work. The world is to be warned, and God's people are to be true to the trust committed to them, to us. Shall we wait until God's judgment falls upon the transgressor before we tell them how to avoid them? We are told that people are going to come up to us and say, you knew and you didn't tell me? I don't want the blood of others on my hands, on my head. Do do you? Where is our faith in the word of God? Must we see things foretold come to pass before we will believe what he has said? In clear, distinct rays, light has come to us, showing us that the great day of the Lord is near at hand, even at the door. Now, this was written in 1909. We are in 2023. And we have seen a lot of what she was, was saying is coming before us. All of this is happening right before our eyes. Now is the time for us to be about God's work. Let every worker in the master's vineyard study, plan, devise methods to reach the people where they are. We must do something out of the common course of things. We must arrest the attention. And with social media and all the other distractions, uh, distractions, there is much for us to do so that we can arrest the attention. We must be deadly in earnest. We are on the very verge of times of trouble and perplexities that are scarcely dreamed of, and we are here. We are here, folks. Now is the time for us to be locked and loaded and ready for action. No more do we need to come to church and go home. Come to church and go home. Come to church and go. You know what I mean? We need to do something different. We need to shake this up. I feel like the Lord has reminded me of some of the experiences that I had with ASI when I would go and visit other places. And some of the things that we would do on Sabbath afternoons, you know, we'd have lunch and we'd visit and fellowship and it was wonderful. But then we would go out. We would go visiting. We would go passing out tracts. We would do something. We would take advantage of the Sabbath hours to be able to share with others. Can't we do that now? Can't we not just keep all the blessings of Sabbath on ourselves? Can't we share some of those with others? Think about our family, our our church family, those who are unable to come and worship with us and they would desire to do so. Can we not do what Sister Wright does so well and go and visit and let them, know, we, we haven't forgotten you, we love you, we wanna be, well that in part of the plan so stay tuned with that. We can start at home and then we can move out from there. But we need to be doing something. We need to be doing more. And as soon as we do that, then we need to do something more. And as soon as we do that, we need to do something more. I am excited about testimonies that you're going to hear over the course of the next of this month about people who are doing just that. People who are taking the Lord at his word and deciding to do some things, to do something. Um, like uh, Tony said, <laughs> his friend said, don't unplug anything. I want to hang around. (laughs) I want to be here. I love that. He's determined to live. Are we determined to give others the opportunity to live for eternity? We need to do that. Are you ready to be locked and loaded? All right, I heard lots of yeses, and I want to see lots of people signing up for things that are going to be happening. So get your shoes ready, your witnessing shoes ready. As it says in Romans 10, I think it is, beautiful are the feet of those who spread the gospel, basically is what it says. I want to have beautiful feet because right now they ain't looking so good. So at least if I spread the gospel, I've got some beauty going on here. All right? Stand with me So while we pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for reminding us that there are people who who love you. I want to thank you for reminding us that way back in Bible days, there were young people, there were men, there were women, who said, here am I, send me. And so I ask now, Lord, that you would be with each person here. Be with me, Lord let this not be just another, that was, those were words that I needed to hear. Well, that's wonderful. But remember, words need to lead to action and action to habits because we want to have a character worthy of going to heaven. So help us to remember that we need to do something. Lock and load us, Lord. We are ready for action. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.